0: Well, good morning everybody. How's everybody doing today? Everybody's doing good. Awesome, man. I'm so glad uh, to be with you. I've been excited to come back for this second uh, in our, in our uh, series. It's just such a, a, a powerful and exciting opportunity. I told you I was excited last week to be here, and then I was told you I was ready to go last week for this week, and so I'm really uh, just blessed and excited to be with you uh, because of the content of these messages, especially in these day and times. You know, we're dealing with a series called The Dragon and the Sea, and, uh, and really, it's, it's on the book of Revelation. Notice it's not Revelations because it's just one book. It's one apocalyptic vision. It is the book of Revelation. And, and, and really, our goal in our heart has been for us to really look at the book of Revelation in the present light of history's final outcome. And so uh, it's important for us to kind of wrap our hearts and our minds and our thoughts around this. But in order to understand any book of the Bible, it doesn't matter what, stu- what scripture you're studying, in order to understand it, in order to really get its meaning out, you have to know who it was going to and how they would understand it. And so whenever you're looking at the scriptures... You have to find the time less truths and the time bound truths. And, and so you're looking for that. And so we have to understand the book of Revelation was actually written as a Jewish apocalyptic book. And it was uh, understood through symbolic imagery and numbers. So when you start to understand that, you start to kind of wrap your your mind around this a little bit. But here's the problem. Here's where we all get hung up. Everybody gets hung up. And a perfect example is even right now. You can't even ask for a more perfect time. You know, the the supposed uh, vaccination that's coming is going to have a chip that will stick in your forehead or your hand. And it's the mark of the beast, right? And uh, all of this craziness and silliness, I want to get rid of all the superstition. I want to get rid of all of the old wives' tales, and I want us to look at Scripture and see what it actually says, and then I want us to interpret Scripture the way it was meant to be interpreted so that you and I are not focused on the wrong thing and miss the right thing. And so when you and I understand, when you go to the book of Revelation, it is not a secret code to predict the timing of the end of the world. Evidently, you did not read the other part of the Bible where Jesus says no man knows the time or the date that the Son of Man is coming. So if you read that and now you think that you got your decoder ring out and now you know when the end of the world is, you fall into the category of no man, no woman, no person. And so I'm just going to go with Jesus on that one. And if you come and say, Pastor Mike, I know when the end of the world is. I'm going to go, nah, don't think so. Okay? So, so, So we should understand what this book really does reveal. You know what the book's intention is? It's to reveal that there is a cosmic battle, spiritual battle that's taking place. And the reason behind the suffering in the world is this cosmic spiritual battle. Paul says it best in Ephesians when he says, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. And so we start to understand this more. So when we look at this, so many times we think it's governments. Governments are the enemy, but they're not the real enemy. The real enemy are the dark spiritual forces that are behind the government that actually uh, seduce the governments and use them as a sword to chop down human life it's actually the dragon satan who wields the beast nations against god's people and against the world and so the clear choice is presented in the book of revelation the clear choice is given for you and i to resist babylon whatever babylon it is at that time and follow jesus so we either follow Jesus we, or we follow the beast and suffer the defeat and fate. That's what the meant. it's meant. Keeping in mind that the book of Revelation was actually written to seven churches in Asia Minor at the time. So as they're reading this, John, who penned this revelation under the unction of the Holy Spirit... He is actually writing this and the people, to people he knows. And as he's writing these to people that he knows, he's unpacking truth. And so these people are understanding it and they're understanding what is being said. Now, I find it unique that this, uh, that this book that is written, this apocalyptic book, addresses the seven churches and calls them out right away. But we totally ignore that and get caught up in the ten-horned beast. We totally miss what God's trying to say to us because we're worried about the 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 monster filled with you know eyes all around or the twelve hundred and sixty days. What does that mean? And we miss that Jesus just called the church apathetic. He calls the church apathetic. He goes to one church, he says, you know what? You guys, you guys are all right, but here's the problem. I hold something against you. You know what I hold against you? You're apathetic. Your wealth and your affluence have rendered you. Totally, totally worthless in advancing the kingdom. You've gotten comfortable. You are now apathetic, which means you are wealthy and you are affluent and you're not willing to sacrifice your wealth and affluence for the gospel. Then he goes to another one and he just straight calls them what they are. He says, Y'all are just acting like heathens. He says, You're going, you're participating in ritual worship which means people are walking past town and they see you in the false temples, the false god temples. They see you in there uh, being sexually immoral. They see you eating in their ritual feasts. You got to stop. And he says, I don't want to take your lampstand from you, but I will because you're already dousing your light. So he's calling them back. Then he he calls another church. He says, man... You're not hot and you're not cold. You're lukewarm. I'd rather just spit you out of my mouth. You're basically, you don't care one way or the other. But then he comes to a church and he says, you're faithful. And you're faithful even when those other churches make fun of you. You're faithful even when the world makes fun of you for your faithfulness. You're faithful even when it hurts. You're faithful even unto death. But Jesus was calling all of these churches back. Not one of them was he throwing away. Every single one of them, he was pointing it out. As Gina read earlier, it was to discipline to bring them back to him to wake them up. So when you and I start to understand that and we start to understand that there are forces at work... You and I start to unpack it, and and when you and I understand who the beast is or what the beast is, we start to understand the scriptures better. You see, the beast are the nations that rise up, that offer uh, protection, and they offer that through military power, and if you don't want it, then they do violence for you. It's kind of like, let me pay you to do business. They come by and they collect their business for protection. And then you say, who am I being protected from? Me. I don't need protection. Do I need to show you you need protection? And then on the other side, it's prosperity. Prosperity through propaganda. And so you got these two things that set themselves up as God that calls for your total allegiance, your total pledge of allegiance, which leads me to the mark of the beast which we're all so caught up in 666 and tattoos and getting stabbed in the forehead or the hand that we miss that our our hearts get pickpocketed the mark of the beast is the anti-shema the the shema the shema the shema in deuteronomy 6 4 through 13 says you'll love the lord with your heart mind soul and all your might And then it says you're supposed to write his words on your forehead and bind them on your hand. Teach them to your children and pass them from generation to generation. It didn't literally mean that we're supposed to go and take this Bible and strap it to our foreheads. No, what it actually meant was that it is a direct prayer and pledge of allegiance. You are the one true God. There is no one else I will find protection in. And there is no one else that I will find prosperity in. Only you and you alone. It is a pledge of allegiance. And what the mark of the beast does... What happens is, is they call you to a pledge of allegiance, either through military power and violence or through prosperity, and then you take the mark of the beast. But it's a heart issue. I'm not looking for tattoos on your forehead. I'm looking for the marks on your heart that come out your hands. Does that make sense? But the okey-doke is you and I are worried about who's got 666 in our foreheads. You, you and I are worried about. I'm not good enough because they're going to stab that, and there's going to be a chip in there that's going to follow me everywhere I go. They already know where you are. You got a phone. You don't need a chip. Hello, Big Brother. You know what I'm talking about. You know there are some people that cover their TV because they're convinced Big Brother's watching them through their TV when he's actually watching them through the window. So 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 for you and I to wrap our understand we start to understand that there are forces of evil that are at work And we understand that they are intoxicating to people. And so what happens is, is there's a time when you either decide you're going to follow God's kingdom or you're going to follow the kingdom of the beast. And one day you're going to get exactly what you want. If you don't want God in your life, one day you will be forever separated from God by your own choice and by your own actions and by your rejection of the gospel. The dragon and the beast And all who follow them will be eternally quarantined, eternally sequestered away forever and ever, never to be able to corrupt God's kingdom again. That's the message. That's for you and I to understand. This is the heart. You see, you and I, has anyone ever hear uh, men especially, you ever record a game and then you're going to go see your friends and you say, don't say a word about the game. I have it DVR'd. I couldn't watch it in a lifetime. Don't you say a word. Don't you say a word. Right? And then all of a sudden you're on the way home and, and you see somebody outside. Yeah! Cowboys win! Cowboys win! Right? This is what Revelation is doing. You have the book. The game's been played. The victory's been won. We already know who's on the winning team. It's spoiler alert. We win. So it's for you and I to understand that the Revelation is a symbolic vision for every generation of the church that reveals history's pattern. You know what history's pattern is? Human kingdoms, they start out good, and then they become beasts. When they start to demand your total allegiance by either military power or broad prosperity. And it happened in Babylon in Daniel's day. It happened in Persia when Babylon fell. And then Sidon and then Greece. And in John's day it's Rome. And you can just list it. You can watch throughout human history as governments continue to set themselves up as God. Not even realize it's the dragon who's wielding them. As they desire worship. See this is what we should understand. The only way that you and I can resist this. Is through the power. Of the risen lamb. The power of. the risen lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world, Jesus. That is the only way that you and I will resist. And that's the message of revelation. So what I want you to see today is that believers overcome the evil one by the blood of Jesus and their personal faith and testimony of Jesus. You see, this is how we overcome By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We see that and we understand that it's in the cross of Christ, the slain Lamb of God, where the justice of God met the grace of God, the rightful wrath of God was satisfied in Christ Jesus, and objects of wrath become objects of affection. And the only way for you and I to overcome is by the blood of the Lamb, personal faith, and the word of our testimony that you believe that. So now we come to the reading today and what has happened is John has beautifully unpacked from Revelation chapter 1 all the way to 11, he has beautifully unpacked First he dealt with the churches. Then he deals with the five seals. And he deals with the big question. Who is worthy to open the scroll that to unveil the beginning of human history? Who is able to redeem God's people? And there was a disturbance in heaven because there was no one worthy. John said, I looked around and everybody was asking the question. And then in walked the slain lamb of God who was resurrected he was blood stained but he was alive and he was found worthy to open the scroll because he defeated satan sin and death and then he begins to unpack the scrolls he breaks the seals and then out of the seven seals come the seven trumpets out of the seven trumpets come the seven bowls and we see it like perfect nesting dolls And it is the ushering in of the messianic age and the ushering in of the end of human history as we know it. And so when we look at this, this is what Revelation picks up. It says, And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Again, revealing Israel. Remember Israel, the 12 tribes? And she was pregnant and crying out in birth pains and in agony of giving birth. Do you remember Genesis reminded us that women would give birth, would be giving birth and it would be a painful experience. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon I think we kind of know who that is, with seven heads and ten horns and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them down to earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. The same way he was looking to destroy Jesus, because if Jesus comes, if Jesus is successful, you and I are redeemed, the work of the enemy is defeated. And so what happened? She gave birth to a male child, one who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was her child was caught up to God. Woo, hello, and to His throne. I don't know what's going on, but I will switch. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she was, uh, where he, she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for twelve hundred and sixty days. Now, I want to stop for a second because here's what's happening to most people right now. There's a secret code. There was. Ten horns, seven heads, 1260 days, and they totally missed the gospel. They just missed the gospel that the Savior of the world that was promised came in, in Genesis, defeated Satan, sin, and death, has ascended on high, and is waiting and preparing to return. We miss all of that because we're worried about what the 1260 days means. Does that make sense? And so what happens is now the war arose in heaven. Uh, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated. Spoiler alert. DVR. We just found out Jesus won and was no longer any place for him in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is the devil, Satan. Again, they name themselves for you. The deceiver of the whole world was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority, everybody say authority, of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God and they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony hallelujah let's all shout but we but there's a comma see this is where we all get excited in Pentecostal and get all woo ha ha yeah overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony What, what, what? But we forgot the comma. The comma is for they love their lives, not even unto death. Oh, we ain't dancing no more. We ain't dancing no more because it requires us to give our lives to the gospel. You see, we we dance about the blood of the Lamb, our conquering by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. But we forget the avenue was because we loved our lives, not even unto death. We gave our lives. That's how we conquered by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The way we lived revealed the truth for we love not our lives, even unto death. See, that's victory. Victory. The same way when Jesus came, they were looking for a lion king. They were looking for a lion king, but they got a slain lamb who conquered even death. You see, this is what I want us to see today. The woman represents Israel. The child represents Jesus. The dragon represents Satan. And the Messiah defeats the dragon and he's cast down to earth. And on the earth, the dragon inspires hatred and persecution of God's people. Why? Because heaven no longer belongs to him. He knows heaven is no longer a place for him, and he doesn't want to see you go to heaven. And he also knows the only way that he can hurt God is to make you choose to no longer worship God, but instead to worship power and protection. And so he, and so he persists. And the only way that you and I will overcome is through resistance by saying my protection is found only in God and my prosperity is found only in God and in no one else. You see, the image of the slain lamb is crucial to us understanding the whole revelation. And you and I must wrap our hearts and minds around this because it's the image of the slain lamb and the resurrection that bring us hope because he conquered his enemies and ultimately conquered evil by dying on a cross. But he didn't stay dead. He was resurrected. And that resurrection caused him to pay the penalty for sin... And allows now you and I to have a champion who defeated Satan's sin and death. And now stands victorious. And you and I can have that victory through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And what we see is in the conclusion of the book of Revelation. We see the Lamb of God and God the Father on the throne together being worshipped as creator and redeemer. The one true God which is a call back to The Shema in Deuteronomy 6.4 that says, You'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love only Him. You see the callback? So what I want you and I to understand today in in the last few minutes that we have together is Satan cannot stop God, so he attacks God's children. Satan cannot stop God, so he attacks God's children. That's what he does. It's real simple. Satan knows his end, but he doesn't know yours. See, some of you and some listening believe that Satan knows your end. He does not know your end. He is not God. He is not omniscient. He is not all-knowing. Only God knows your end, and the only choice that you have is the choice that you make to either resist Babylon... And pledge your allegiance to God or pledge your allegiance to Babylon and deny God. So he already knows that. So the only way he does is he attacks. So how does he do that? Glad you asked. Question number two. I mean, point number two. Satan's acts of injustice and terror are direct attacks on our faith. He makes us doubt God's love for us. What's the first thing that happens? And I hate to to admit this. I hate to admit this, but I have seen this in Christians and non-Christians alike. In followers of God and in non-followers of God. As soon as tragedy happens, the first thing they do is shake their fist at God. And what happens when an act of injustice or an act of terror happens that was, that was actually employed by the enemy... It does exactly what its intent was to make us turn our back on God and say, what kind of God would let that happen? I want to ask you a question. What kind of God would send his very own son to die on a cross for your sin? You were guilty. He took your place. But we don't ask that question. We ask the question, what kind of God does this? And not even realizing that even if death has taken a loved one who knew him, we know now that he is with that he is with them in heaven she is with them in heaven no longer again to feel the taste of death but that's what the enemy does he makes us doubt God's love for us make no mistake about it it's all about God's worship you see some people think the book of Job is about suffering no 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 the book of Job is about worship about worth Satan comes and he accuses Job and he says, here's an accusation, the only reason that Job loves you is because you bless him. If you didn't, if he didn't, if you didn't bless him, he would curse you. That's what he said. He said that about all of us, all mankind. The only reason that they love you is because you bless them. And if you stop blessing them, then they will curse you. And he found out that Job's found worth in God that was far greater than anything that can be actually monetized because he lost his family, he lost his wealth, he lost his health, and his own wife cursed him. And he said, I will still not curse God. I know my Redeemer lives and it showed his worth and in this case you and i have a chance yes we face some injustice and yes we face terror at different points but we must not let it affect our faith we are warned in the book of revelation and we were warned by jesus in this world you will have trouble but take heart i've overcome the world jesus said it best he said if they hated me they'll hate you that's what he said Jesus warned us in advance and he said you have to choose between faithfulness and compromise. And please note, when John is writing this, John has been boiled in oil. And he has been placed on the Isle of Patmos in exile as he's penning this letter under the unction of the Holy Spirit. You and I get a hangnail and God hates us. Right? Right? this is the struggle domitian uh, the nero's Uh, reign of terror has just come to an end and Domitian's persecution is just beginning and the temptation tonight to deny Jesus is real. And listen to me, if you don't hear anything today, hear this. The, The temptation to deny Jesus is real and to join the spirit of the Roman age is real. And I'm here to tell you today, it may not be the Roman age that you and I have the ability to join in the spirit of, but there is a spirit that's working about in this world and you are being being called to deny Jesus. You are being called to deny the word of God and you are being called to experience and accept and receive the spirit of the Roman age or in this case the age of today. Think about it. Our sociology now communicates our theology. No longer is it our theology informing our sociology, it is now our sociology that informs our theology, which means we have adopted the spirit of the age. And you are worried about a mark of a beast on your forehead or hand, but it has already been marked on your heart. Revelation makes sense now, doesn't it? You see, these are very real. Jesus calls the churches to faithfulness and he says we will only overcome and conquer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Jesus promises rewards for the overcomers and they can be found in Revelation 21 and 22. He connects all of those rewards and helps you and I to understand that. And then he gives us a reason and he helps us to know that Satan's mouth is going to be shut Satan's mouth has an expiration date, and that's number three. Satan's voice will be silenced forever. There will be a time when you and I will no longer have the accuser or the brothering making accusations toward us or putting things in our heart and putting things in our mind. But make no mistake about it, temptation is not sin. Did you hear what I said? Temptation is not sin. To be tempted is not to sin. You need to read the book of James. It's when we give in to that temptation that it becomes sin. And so what happens? Satan comes and he offers. And then he tries to rally the troops again at the Battle of Armageddon. And you and I think the Battle of Armageddon is going to be some, uh, uh, some warfare, some blood-soaked battle. But I'm here to tell you already the only blood-soaked person in that battle is the slain Lamb of God who appears. And his robe has already been dipped in blood. But it's not the blood of his enemies. It's his very own blood that he died for the sake of his enemies. And you and I are looking for a bloodbath. If you're looking for a bloodbath, look no further further than the cross the victory has been won okay all right now I know somebody knows what I'm talking about this morning so the forces of spiritual evil and everyone who follows evil and rejected the eternal new uh, good news of Jesus will be eternally sequestered put away separated from God and they will inherit the very hell that they have created for themselves only it'll be a quadrillion times I'll make up a word worse than they could ever ask dream think or imagine but you and I need to understand something this morning and that is our victory requires two parts our victory requires trusting in the finished work of Jesus and personally receiving Jesus which becomes our testimony that's what it's all about You and I trusting in the work of Jesus. You and I trusting that Jesus is the Son of God. You and I trusting that He died on a cross for your sin and my sin. You and I trusting that... He defeated Satan's sin and death when he was resurrected. You and I trusting in the ascension when the angel said, why do you stand looking into the sky? This same Jesus who left will return again. You and I trusting in the words of Jesus when he said if I go away to prepare a place for you then you can trust me. I will come back to take you that you may be where I am. You know the way to where I am going. The same Jesus who promised that while I'm away the Holy Spirit will come and live in you and guide you and teach you this same jesus that's where we learn to trust in the finished work of jesus christ and it becomes our personal testimony and they say how in the world can you not worry about all of these other things and it's because we have a peace that passes all understanding our protection is not found in military might or violence because violence can visit anybody It cannot be found in prosperity. If all of your hope is in your stocks and bonds, God help us all because all it takes is one downturn. I knew one of our Christian brothers. He lost one-third of everything that he had put away for his retirement in one day. But you know what he said? God's got me. God knows how many days I'm going to live. That was his faith. Conversely, we were in Houston when Enron fell and there was a mass suicide taking place as people were killing themselves because they lost all of their money and investments because they had all of their hope and their wealth, all of their hope and their affluence. Christians look at it and say, well, if God prospered me to this point, he did it once, he'll do it again and it'll be awesome. I'll just use Job as the example. It's a difference of opinion. And so we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. God's kingdom will be revealed to the nations. Listen to me. When they see the church not killing our enemies but laying our lives down for our enemies. That is when the kingdom of God will be revealed. You don't believe me? You know what happened in Exodus when the plagues came? Pharaoh hardened his heart. And do you know in Revelation, the first four seals, what happens? We see the first four seals open and it's war and conquest and and death and all these different things. And then we see in the fifth seal, we see that the Exodus plagues are repeated and the nation still don't repent. You know why they don't repent? Because they don't repent because they don't see the love of God. It is only when they see the love of God, if you read just a little Further in Revelation, you see that two witnesses show up, and you and I are so worried if it's Moses and Elijah that we don't listen carefully to recognize that those witnesses are also called lampstands. If we do a call back to Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3, the churches were called lampstands, then we see that the two witnesses are slain, but then they are resurrected, and then the nations repent and call upon the name of the Lord. Why? Because they laid those lampstands. Laid down their lives. See this. This ain't gonna sell many theological books and many decode rings. But what I speak is truth. The church must show God's mercy to the nations if we wish to see them repent. That's what we see in Revelation. We see God's mercy. We see a a multi-ethnic, messianic army raising up. You and I get caught in the 144,000. And all that really is is a military census. If you look at the book of Numbers, you'll see it's just a military census, 12,000 from each nation. But if you listened and watched and read very carefully, John says, I heard, but then I heard 144,000. He said, but then I turned and I saw a multitude too big in number to count. It was the multi-ethnic messianic army of God that was fulfilling the Abrahamic promise that I will make your people as far. As the, new, as the numerous as the stars in the sky and the sun in the sky. I will make them as the sands of the sea. And what we see is a multi-ethnic army from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every kindred. We see them all worshiping Jesus and they're not coming to make war on people. They're coming to lay down their life so that people might see the goodness and the kindness and the mercy of God and follow in the footsteps of the slain lamb see you and I need to understand that you and I need to see it and so I had to say it loud I apologize I probably won't have a voice tomorrow but it's okay I'm not really sorry but anyway the message of the book here here here's the, you remember the first question who's worthy to open the scroll who's worthy to open the scroll and heaven is a disturbance and then there's a second disturbance then there's a second disturbance in heaven, and the second disturbance in heaven also visits the earth. And then people start going, oh, my God, literally, oh, my God, like, really, honestly, OMG, right? I'm letting you say this is the one time it actually really means, oh, my God, right? They like, say, oh, my God, who's worthy to stand Who's worthy to stand? They're like, nobody can stand before this holy, amazing God. Nobody, nobody can stand. Unless they're covered by the blood of the Lamb. And the only way that you and I are worthy to stand before God is not based upon power, prosperity, wealth, or works. It's based upon your relationship with Jesus Christ. And we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And we loved our lives. We did not love our lives even unto death. This is the eternal gospel. This is what shakes the earth. And church, we have it now. We must be shaking the earth with the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ. You think I wanted to just do this just for fun? Absolutely not. Those boxes contain the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ that will reach places that you and I will never set foot. But the gospel of Jesus Christ will set foot and the nations will be shaken because you loved your life less less you loved your life less and you love people more you loved your life less and you love people more and you said i i can i can make a difference you see the church has to bear witness to the nations that's the book of revelation the church has to bear witness to the nation The multi-ethnic messianic army of 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 the Lamb stands before God and we must stand ready to carry the good news. Cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Called to conquer not by killing our enemies, but by following the Lamb's example and laying our life down for Him. Some people say, I'll take a bullet for Jesus. Well, good for you. That's one day. Jesus said, will you lay your life down? Will you die daily for me? Will you die daily for me? Will you take up your cross and follow me? Yes, you may take a bullet for Jesus. But will you live for him day in and day out by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony until you see him face to face? You see, we're called to follow the lamb's example. Following the Lamb's example means we lay down our lives. Following the Lamb's example means we love our lives less. We love God more and we love people more. This is the message of revelation. And if you read it, it's so simple for us. But we've been getting pickpocketed, church. We've been getting pickpocketed. Our hearts have been pickpocketed, worrying about a thousand year reign and 1260 days and 10 horns on a beast and seven diadems. And the whole time, the message has been the slain lamb of God who overcomes the sin of the world and ask you to trust in his promise and not follow the pattern of the world. The choice belongs to you and me. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. And God, we ask that you give us wisdom and grace today. If you're here this morning, if you're listening online, and maybe you're a believer, you fall into one of those categories. You become apathetic because of wealth and affluence. And right now, you just say, God, forgive me. Don't take my lampstand. Light me up and let me shine brightly. If you're here this morning and you've been worshiping false gods and you already know what they are, you can say, God, I renounce all false gods. You are the one true God and I pledge my allegiance to you and you alone. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You, you lead me and you guide me. You walk with me even through the valley of the shadow of death and I pledge my undying allegiance to you and you alone. Help me, God. If you're here today or you're listening, And you say, man, I I need that kind of confidence. I want, I need the slain lamb of God. I need Jesus in my life. I want to be an overcomer. I'm tired of worrying about death. I want to know that my champion Jesus defeated death and I no longer have to fear it. If that's you today, you can just simply overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. You can say right now that I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sin. I believe that God raised him back to life. And I believe that he's preparing a place called heaven for me. And I choose to put all of my hope and all of my faith and all of my trust in that. I am forgiven. And I stand worthy, not because of my own behavior, but worthy because of what Jesus did for me. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and live in me and work through me. And I know that I cannot be perfect because only Jesus was perfect, but I am being perfected and I receive forgiveness, life, and hope. It's in Jesus' name that I proclaim this prayer and all God's people said amen and amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap this morning because he's a good God.